Hey everybody, we're back for episode 304. Uh, this is the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> That's so funny that I still say that. I do. This too. is the the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. Here, start ah, over. <laughs> no, I don't want no, to start, start over. over. I want to keep All right. Yeah, we... <laughs> um, wow, I can't believe it. Um, this is uh, 304 uh, Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. My name is Kelly Dixon, and I'm here with my co-host. Chris McCaleb. Hey, Chris. Hey. How's it going today? Good. How are you doing? Good. We're here with uh, two creators of the show, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. Hola. Hello. And we're here with special guest Tom Schnauz. Hello. Or, as Jonathan Banks likes to say, Tom Schnauz. Yeah, that's son of a bitch bastard. <laughs> he has another name for you, too, the Little Prince. Little Prince, yeah. Let's just bring them all. He's got other names, too. <laughs> Fuckhead and shitface. Tom Schnauz was the director of this episode and, and part of the Talented Motherfuckers Club, yes. Yes. We're also here with executive producer Nina Jack. Nina, how are you doing today? Excellent. Thank Great. you. Great. Thanks for coming. And um, we're also here with special guest uh, Marshall Adams, who is uh, the director of photography for this season of Better Call Saul. Yay! Yay! Yay. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, Marshall, do you live in town? or? Yeah, I live in, uh, in Playa del Rey. Down. Okay, because uh, when you came in What's this morning... What's your exact address? <laughs> <laughs> this is my first time meeting you, and, and when you came in this morning, I was like, hi, I'm Kelly, and everybody else is like saying, how could you never have met him? And I'm like, well, we work in two different cities. Yeah, no, that's true. We are uh, on the opposite ends usually when we're shooting. Exactly. Sure. Um, so uh, so you work um, in Albuquerque um, on the crew. I do. And this is your first season of Better Call Saul, but you also have DP'd for us on sort of other occasions. Uh, yeah, I did uh, some pickups uh, on Breaking Bad at the end of season four, and I also shot uh, Live Free or Dice, uh, episode 501 of Breaking Bad. The, the magnet episode. The magnet yes. episode. Yeah. yeah. That was a great one. <laughs> it looked beautiful. Oh, thank you. Well, I've been hearing nothing but compliments about your work this year. Everybody seems to be really, really super happy with all of the work that you're doing. So, oh, well, thank congratulations. you very much. It's uh, really been a fun ride, and I'm really glad to be part of it. Um, so, these guys brought up in a previous podcast about this new cam that you guys are using. Um, can you describe or talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a brand new camera system that was released by Panasonic uh, about a year ago. And uh, the thing that makes it special uh, for us and a, and a really valuable tool is that it has a, a very sensitive chip in it that is rated at 5,000 ISO. I don't know uh, how technical you want to get into it, but it's, uh, it's, it picks up uh, amazing amounts of very little light. So uh, we did a number of scenes, some of the candlelit scenes. We did scenes that in, uh, in just practical light that you would never be able to do in a normal so it makes it makes camera. nighttime seem like day, well, not like day, but it makes nighttime even shootable. Uh, you know, we did a scene that's later on in the, in the season with a lantern that, uh, and the lantern basically we just used the lantern to light the whole thing, and you could never have done that with a different camera. Wow, those are the kind of spoilers you get here on the Insider <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Well, His so lantern's coming up, lantern. guys. <laughs> 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 you ruined it, man. No, we're not told gonna, about the lantern. We're not going to no, say who. We're not going to say where. Somebody has a lantern. Is that is it? Is the camera only used uh, for the special kind of circumstances, or that was all that we used it for? Yes. Um, I mean, it's capable of of also shooting at 800, which is the normal kind of running ISO for digital cameras right now. But uh, but yes, that's what we brought it in on special occasions to shoot uh, specifically very difficult 
big night scenes that yeah. uh, that needed a little bit of help. I, yeah. I we, just oh go ahead. I was just say I just had one issue with the camera, which is suddenly now I, night scenes used to be. It was like being out on a full moon all the time. You'd be, you know, you'd have these uh, huge balloon lights or uh, BB lights, and it was it was just really a cool kind of thing because you'd be out in, in, on a night exterior and you could see everything. Now you can't see anything. Yeah, <laughs> no, just, that's, that's, you're that's, walking that's, around. You're like, I don't know where anything is. Or how do I get anywhere? Because <laughs> you need so little light to light it, and and uh, it, it actually you have to be careful. <laughs> it, it was uh, a real discovery, a, a journey of discovery for us, learning how to work with that camera. That you know essentially meant that you were working in the darkness all the time. One of the things that we discovered pretty early on was that the crew had to be used to working in the dark, and yeah. you had to be very careful because uh, you could yeah. trip over things and stuff that we're just not used to, you know, to having to work with. Especially because at night, I mean, remember back on episode two, uh, especially at night, we're in some, some hairy places with some, you know, we could be in a junkyard, you could be in a rail yard, you could be at a power station, and there's all kinds of stuff to trip over and break your neck on so yeah yeah no, well cool. i remember specifically the the one i'm thinking of is the one in, in mike's house in your episode oh uh, yeah when we were shooting through out the window and uh and it was so dark in there that a number of the crew people tripped over a couple of the uh of the extension cords that were on the floor That's right true. there That's true. and that was the first time we realized wow we're gonna have to really watch this and be careful about it you know? wow. it's amazing if i'm doing my math right it's was it two and a half stops more sensitive than yeah the, 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 two the and a half to yeah. let's see 816 32 yeah yeah two yeah. and a half two and two thirds yeah two 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 and that's yeah. how technical we get on this <laughs> and there's something i want to hasten to add just the for all, all the all the uh, all the producers and filmmakers out there who are right now who are listening because <laughs> yeah. you might you might get the impression that oh wow all i need is this great piece of technology i don't have to light anymore i don't have to i don't need i don't need to rent lights i don't need i don't really need a dp i can just go shoot an available light the truth is it seems to me from watching you Marshall that you and the crew are working just as hard to shape the light and to make sure it's dramatic and and that it serves its function absolutely this is just another tool in the toolbox no absolutely it's it's in some ways it can actually even be a little bit more difficult there's uh, some stuff later on that you guys will see where we actually we had, we put our own practical lights in for night stuff and and we had a hard time getting rid of all of the light that was in the neighborhood um, especially, I mean, I, I remember uh, hanging these big, giant, essentially black curtains to, to block it all out so that we wow. could shape the light. And, and, and so it was just, keeping, yeah. yeah, it was it was just light that was coming in from a parking lot that was a block away. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 think I, know, I think I know the one you're talking about. And it's, it's because, we, of course, we when we're out there in the world, if you're letting the light of the world light your scene, then you know you can have light that you don't want. I, wasn't there a moment? There was a moment. The where best example. Some, yeah, go the, ahead. The best example of all of, of what uh, Marshall's talking about is was uh, on episode two. I might have mentioned this on another podcast, but but remember uh, we were walking along in that power station, and you you sort of had a frown on your face at the beginning of the night, and and I said, what, what's 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 the matter, Marshall? And you thing about the moon remember oh yeah right right no we were really concerned about the fact that the moon the actual moonlight was going to be you know polluting the scene and and it was something we <laughs> we definitely had to take into account you know you had to be careful of it so you guys waited it. for an eclipse uh, yeah, right. lunar no eclipse to shoot. that's right that's the only drawback <laughs> for the camera but other than that it's fantastic i remember you putting up an enormous piece of duvetine the size of the super bowl yeah exactly <laughs> Just over exactly the which can be really labor intensive so you know i mean there are benefits but there can be big drawbacks too. 
Hey, careful Nina, what you wish for. Hey, Nina, since you're here, um, can you um, can you sort of describe your uh, job on in Albuquerque? Um, because since I know that you work on the set a lot and you work with Marshall trying to uh, wrangle the show, um, can you sort of describe, you know, what what you do, what your everyday is? Yeah, I just sit at Video Village and tell everyone when they're screwing up. That's basically okay. No. <laughs> Always a giant sandwich in her hand. <laughs> what kind they of have sandwich? To poke me every once in a while if I'm uh, if I start snoring. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I have an amazing privilege of being able to be an on-set producer. I mean, it's just fantastic because there's such this incredible team in Albuquerque and we have this incredible team in Los Angeles and uh, you know into you know, with uh, our writing team our post team in Los Angeles and the shooting crew and our cast in Albuquerque and so just helping to tie everyone together with making sure that um, you know just the overall tone vision of, of what the uh, Vince and Peter and everyone's creating for for the show to come together so. but like when Marshall was talking about like now when you're at night and you have this camera that is you know makes it for a very very dark set when you're out there on a tech scout and you realize is that part of you know your job is sort of I don't want to say running the set because I know other people sort of run the set but is it your job to sort of to kind of say okay you know we might have a hazard here or we have to be careful of this here and that's that's gonna be part of like a whole production team we have an amazing production right. team that you know Robin Sweet who is our line producer Seth Edelstein who is our unit manager um, we have our ADs uh, Anna Borden and Rich Sickler everybody is all part of the the safety conscious uh, uh, lookouts for, for the whole crew uh, especially on uh, on the scouts in terms of anticipating that and of course when we're shooting and and yes absolutely we're, we're all part of that if something uh, doesn't doesn't seem like it's gonna go well we want to get ahead of that but oh you know what I want to ask you now since we're here in might as well I'm just gonna jump back a little bit because we had our premiere about a week ago and I did not work on that first episode so I think I'd only seen it maybe I don't think I saw it I thought that was the first time I saw it is that true actually yeah I think that was the, the first screen? time I saw it yeah, yeah. um but uh, since you're here and we had this discussion um, I'm just gonna preface a little bit but I'll let you take over. Um, here in Los Angeles, um, we are very, uh, it's, it's a union town, um, and all of our crew people are union people, and in Albuquerque as well, sorry. Um, but we are also driven by uh, safety standards, stuff like that. So when I watched the premiere episode and there was a big lightning strike in there, I'm like, is that a visual effect? <laughs> because I know that a lightning strike means, I mean, the safety guidelines say that you guys have to shut down. And so I'm like, okay, did they put that lightning in there or did that really happen? And what happened because of that lightning strike? So I know that you had, we talked about this yeah, about no, this last a, week. So can you guys just talk a little bit about that right quick? Sorry, everybody, we're going back to episode one, but this <laughs> is this is kind of cool. And this is part of what you do, right, Nina? This is part of your job. Yeah, yeah well, no, it was, it, that was, that was a fascinating day. I mean, and it watch, was real, by the it way. It was very real. If it if it weren't real, we would have made it more jaggedy and Boris Karloff. <laughs> but that's, that's, that was a real thing. It would have yeah. been green, and mm. it would have been. Yeah, okay. and it only lasted, I think, one frame. Yeah, we barely no, was, the camera barely caught it. But yeah. as soon as it happened, Vince like, oh, that's in the movie. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how this is all going to cut together, but that's mm. in the movie. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, if you watch the whole sequence, it's it. We ended up shooting a lot of that sort of in sequence, and you can see the weather just change throughout the day. And by the end, you know, with the storm and the clouds, and that's really what happened. That is very uh, common in Albuquerque, and depending on the time of year. So yeah, we learned season one 
the really hard way just how bad the weather can get because we were shooting during the summer and there is a lot of lightning um, and there are very strict safety guidelines but it has to do with distance um, of how far away the lightning is um, and forgive me I don't recall the exact at the moment but there is, is six, is <laughs> six, six miles? miles I believe it is and yeah. we have okay. there there are three different departments that actually have monitors on the set that monitor how far away the lightning strikes it. It's these little things you, you can like get them at Home Depot. <laughs> they're very, uh, they're very intricate in measuring how far away the lightning is, and they keep us on top of it. And as soon as it gets within a certain distance, we do. We shut down. Everyone goes into vans um, uh, or trucks, wherever's the safe or built a safe building wherever we are, and uh, we have to wait until it clears. Um, and so that particular day, I think that probably was the first strike, and it actually was. We were still within safety range. Yeah, it was. So, it was. It was farther away than six miles. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we were able to keep shooting. But we did get to a point where we had to stop. Unfortunately, it timed out with pretty much right when you finished getting everything you needed, thankfully. Yeah. But we did. I remember at one point it got the winds got so heavy that we were all. It almost blew away one of the uh, sun shelters that, yes. that, that we used for Video Village. It literally started taking away and everybody grabbed hold of it and got it wrestled with sure the, the ground. We made sure all the people. Yeah. yeah we we yeah. just. Uh, yeah, everyone had to, everyone jumps in, everyone yeah. <laughs> to, to keep it safe. That's true. I remember it was an alerting experience for me. It was the first time I'd ever discovered how in tune with the weather that crew is. They know where everything is. Yeah. I mean, I, within a couple of minutes, I talked to Steve Latecki, the gaffer, and the uh, key grip, and they both knew exactly where that lightning strike was, how yeah. far away it was, how, how, you know, how much time we had. I yeah. mean, I was blown away how much information those guys yeah. are keeping track of in a, in a moment's notice. Very safety conscious, oh, as yeah. we all need to, as they need to be, as we all need to be, as everyone in the industry needs to be, because it's wonderful to make good stuff, but not at the risk of getting anybody hurt or killed. It's, just, it's not, it's not, it's only a TV show at the end of the day. It's not, it's not worth that. So. And there is another day. Yeah, there's always another day. Anymore. And, well. and while we're on the and I, I know we're here to talk about uh, about uh, episode uh, four. four here. Sorry, so <laughs> now, who am I again? Uh, while we're here talking about this one day, though, uh, we had our first drone shot in that episode mm -hmm. on that day. And guess who the pilot was? You want to talk about shooting with drones? It was the first time we ever did that on, on Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, um, I consider myself an amateur drone pilot and, uh, and sure enjoy flying drones, but, uh, and I've tried to incorporate them in my, in my profession as much as possible. But um, unfortunately, there are a lot of other logistics that kind of come into play, but we managed to get that one shot that, uh, Which is that the shot of, the, one, of the, yeah. the follow the car, the following the, follow car, the car, yeah, the station wagon, yeah. following yeah. the station wagon, yeah. That was that was a lot of fun, and we we had a great time going out there and doing that. that uh, yeah, Did you I really to call the local air traffic control because you have the proper licensing. And I do, all of that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I have the proper FAA license, and you, you have to notify the airport um, anytime you're within a five mile range. We were at four point nine miles, I think, from the from Double from, Eagle Airport. From yeah. Double Eagle That's Airport, right. yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, you know everything is above board. But uh, they are a great tool when you know when used properly. You can do some really really fun stuff with yeah. them. And then one more question I have not one well one more question right now that I have for you, Marshall is um, I guess we never really talked about. I guess people could probably discern from all of our conversations, but we never talked about how many people are actually under your sort of purview. How many how many are on your crew? Like we have two cams usually. Or the, sometimes the more. The, but. Yeah, the camera department uh, includes uh, myself, uh, two camera operators, two first assistant camera operators, two 
Second assistant camera operators. And then you, you sort of partner with uh, the gaffer or it's a gaffer, right? Gaffer? The gaffer, yeah. yeah. So gaffer and the key of, grip, yeah. So you guys sort of worked. Oh, oh yeah, the key grip. That Like one handles, I, I heard the one gaffer, thing. Like one handles the light coming in, the other handles blocking the light out, right? Take, yeah, I heard one, that a couple of months ago. One puts it in, the other one takes like, it away, yeah. So the gaffer handles the electrician, the electrical part. Yes. And the key grip handles flagging and blocking light out, Yeah, right? so the, the grip department is responsible both for uh, camera support and for any kind of big... Uh, flagging, which is, you know, uh, big duvetine curtains or flags taking light away, essentially, is a, okay. is a very simplified wow. way of All putting right. it. But, uh, yeah, so they both have their crews, but they, uh, they the three of us work together um, in lighting this any particular scene or, or shot. Uh, so we work essentially as a team, but but technically, so yeah, they they uh, they all kind of uh, uh, answered to to you know the to myself and trying to put the shot together. Uh, cool. Okay, Tom, we're gonna get to you. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you directed this episode. Oh wait, this oh, is yeah. episode four. No, thank you, thank you, Marshall. Thank you, Nina. That's that. I I always learn new things about Albuquerque, about shooting in Albuquerque when we do these podcasts. So indulge me, sorry people. Um, so Tom, no, that uh, was a lot of great talk about a camera we didn't even use in this goddamn episode. <laughs> yeah, right. What the hell? But Marshall's here. I and Nina's here. You're always did here. Lots of other you're, you're just jealous you didn't get any lightning. I'm sorry. I know. I wanted more lightning. <laughs> but guess where you got to go? You got to go back to Mexico. I did. We went to Mexico. You went back to Don Eladio. <laughs> Yay! We should have a thing where we, when we have new characters, we should have a bell or a cowbell or something like that. <laughs> or, 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 or the return of old yes. characters. Bring yeah. bad theme. Like, just yeah. plays, plays really had, fast. Oh, yeah. we, but we don't own that, remember? No, we don't. So, Tom, you you, uh, you got to go back to Mexico. You and got we to go. Don we got to see Eladio and Bolsa. And Bolsa. Yeah. That was ding, a lot of fun. Ding, 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 ding. That was so cool saying David Bauer. How was Stephen it, Bauer was, was like great. Working with him he's, he's great, and I just he was such a trooper because it is it was so cold, and he's in his little tiny bathing suit, and he's in the getting out of a, a yeah. swimming pool, and there's a couple of scenes where he could not help it; his teeth were chattering. Oh God, we, was that cold? We, yeah, oh, yeah, it was freezing. Yeah, it was really it cold, was but you know he so covered cold. it oh so well. He did. He, I mean, he really, he you can't really tell did. From watching it. No. And I mean, think he's in the little speedo trunks, and you know, he's. he's yeah. he, how long did it take to shoot that scene? I mean, sun up to sundown, and and oh, and uh, Marshall can tell you that the you know the sun moves very quickly. And there were <laughs> on very, days yeah. like that. There yeah. were very few times where you could actually see him like you know being cold i mean yeah. it was really there's a couple of shots we had to impressive. use in the episode just because we needed but we were, were i can tell any i don't you know maybe the audience i never know yeah. that's good you have to look close and it was impressive. he was such a he was such a trooper yeah. he was such a trooper i remember i mean they they had to wet him down yeah. before literally every once, day. Match. I mean, once the episode oh, airs i have boy. photos of, it, of them spraying him down and him just standing there freezing i got a hot tea in my hand and a <laughs> thick jacket i'm like yeah spray him more <laughs> not wet enough <laughs> i don't remember how many hours but it was a lot of hours oh it wasn't God. tom's most hours but it was a lot of hours probably at least four or five hours of dailies and that's just what well, the, what they printed we were not, just yeah and this i mean and mark margolis fantastic actor he is speaking spanish is not something that comes natural to him so we had you know that was a little bit of a time delay as well trying to get his his accent and you know the language mm -hmm. correct so that with it was also the, the first week of daylight savings time our day was our day was shorter oh, um and 
hats off to our producers who got me, you know, we shot this in eight days, but I had one extra day, a Sunday, where we did the underwater show. I was so, gonna, just going to ask you. I didn't even think about the shot. underwater. That so you did saved that us on so much time. We went out. Day. We were able to go out to uh, the location and rehearse. And uh, Robin and, and Seth got us, got Marshall, this underwater camera that we uh, we were able to just do one diving shot. And also the shot of uh, looking up at Hector standing by the pool. That's a, that's that's great, a great shot, shot too. Two, two great shots. Well, it's, yeah. it's so fun that you you're that this is uh, your scene. Of course, written by the great Jonathan Glatzer. Written by uh, Jonathan Glatzer. Yeah, it was my first time directing something that was not mine, but uh, it was uh, he did he did fantastic work. And of course, you had been on this location before because there was an episode of Breaking Bad. Uh, the Jenny Salud. and I, Jenny, Jenny and there I wrote that. Jenny and I wrote that episode. Um, and the, the one, one, where, one I was where, there for. Yeah, the one, the one where, uh, the one where uh, Gus poisons Don Eladio's crew, and I wasn't able to be there, unfortunately. Michelle was directing, and so you were, you were the, you were. I was the out there for episode four hundred nine, and they asked if I could stay, and I said, "Sure, why the hell not?" Because I was too lazy. <laughs> I was too lazy. I was too lazy to go back. So to I was out there, and I got to follow uh, Michelle around. Michelle, who was directed so many of my Breaking Bad episodes, and I, you know, I just. I'm so lucky that I got to spend so much time with Michelle, and I got to spend two full days with her out at that location. Nice. So, it, and we know Michelle so well uh, that we're not saying her last name, which oh, is Michelle, Michelle McLaren. McLaren. Did I not say her oh, last yeah. name? Yeah. That's how brilliant. That's director. how familiar we've all. Yeah, got. exactly. Right. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure most of you listening probably know who we're talking about. Yeah, we 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 miss you, Michelle. Yeah, come back, do. come we back to do. us. That was a day with all the girls in the bikinis too. Right? Girls in bikinis, yep. Okay. It's all surrounding Aaron Paul sitting there. In how, his is chair. It that, how is it that I didn't go to the set? You for that? fool! I know. What was I doing? That's a good question. Tom was so upset to be there. And the folks who own I that just, house, I remember them being very nice. They're, they're super nice. Wonderful, yeah. and it and it really hadn't changed. I mean, it was we were so fortunate. I mean, you know, things like cushions or or you know, we added some flowers and plants. Yeah, but you look closely. They, the 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 deck is stained a different color. Between seasons, oh, wow. we gave it away. <laughs> Tom. Oh no, it's ruined. Well, that's okay. Oh, no. It is six hours. I mean, six six years. Yeah, there's earlier. a there's a big time difference between all those different scenes. Yeah, no, but we're, we're so fortunate that they uh, that they are so welcoming to us, and it's such a it's such a great location. It, it serves the story so well. I I just I want to give a quick shout out to Jennifer Bryan who designed specifically that speedo. Oh, for <laughs> <laughs> quite the process going through to get that exactly right, the color and the. You mean they, <laughs> yeah, they, they had to make it? They, she made it. Yeah, because it was yeah. one of the less skimpier speedos. It it actually was a, lot, a little bit more coverage. Than, well, it was, you know, than the, the skimpy we, speedos. We were taking winter into account. <laughs> it was a wool speedo. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was great to see those guys again. Um, Marshall, I'm curious because um, what I noticed as well is that they decided to use the old shooting style, the Breaking Bad shooting style of the handheld in that scene that they have not wanted you guys have not wanted to use the handheld style and well, it's not that we didn't want to use it we just we went especially the beginning of better call Saul we wanted to differentiate but I thought that was a great touch that you used to uh, yeah, going back to that uh, and I wish I could say it was like really that conscious of a, of a decision but we were moving so quickly that it just t kind of fell into that pattern we were just trying to I had so many shots planned I, I just feel you know I show Marshall my storyboards there's all these shots there's like this is not enough time and these guys just you know putting dolly track down and moving moving fast and so 
it just wasn't even that intentional to to do it so handheld. Yeah, I mean, they touched, Tom touched on it slightly, but we uh, it, we we were there on Sunday doing the underwater stuff, and we had the the good fortune of being able to rehearse with the actors and actually mark the entire scene that day previous. So we all knew what was coming. So we landed uh, ready to go at the moment the sun came up. And I remember we started shooting as soon as we could, and we shot to the very last second wow. uh, until we could go no more. Wow. So yeah, that's uh, that was a. It, it was a big awesome. scene. It, it, it's interesting it was, to, to, to the to pe- folks who are listening. You might think that filmmakers are mostly concerned with our artistic things and big, <laughs> big, you know, themes and sim- sim- symbolism and so on. But the thing that's bearing down on all of us is the most precious thing of all, which is time. And it's just it's it's uh, how we. That's one of the, so much of uh, our focus is how we manage time on the set and how 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 it all comes together yeah. that that really that's that's yeah. we think about that and that's that's when you get uh, a great scene like like the and one that, like the one more that, so, that you guys shot yeah and more so in tv than movies it, because it, because every second is so murderously expensive and movies movies have a little bit more breathing room but uh yeah, so true. i've heard yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it but I, it great things you always say you have that great line about limits what was that that line about I, I always I think this might be an Orson Welles quote, which is uh, "lack of limits is the enemy of art." Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I think it's uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of limits, mm-hmm. so it must be really good for our art. <laughs> <laughs> and you go in with a game plan, and you know, I had like I said, how all these storyboards that you just don't you know start throwing things out and combining things, and you know, I was going to start wide because you know to give Mark more more time with with the Spanish, but the the light was not correct so we started closer and you know so you know just sort of have to adapt to, to certain things as, as they're thrown at you during the day and, and tom you, has the greatest storyboards <laughs> they, they truly I, they're just like i want to make a book of your storyboards <laughs> just <laughs> crazy stick figures and you draw them yourself right yeah. yeah yeah and and starting closer what tom just said that means the whole is what you're talking about earlier the closer the tighter the the limits of the frame are the more you can control the light within that frame is that is that what he's talking about yeah exactly so uh, one of the things that it, you know by starting in a in a close up it allowed us to be able to start shooting a little bit earlier because i could light uh, the yeah. first couple of shots you know there just being wasn't in any close, whereas there was never, no sun on the hacienda so we but there was sun on the actors so gotcha right and he can there. make sun too because he can get the lights right. closer and, right. in and small like, quantities in small quantities you can make sun <laughs> in small quantities yeah. exactly. i want to bring up something that's um you know it's funny because we've shot there twice we've shot there twice before um and it always is a factor but this directing thing this is difficult um and it affects you guys out on the set it affects us in editorial and it affects the sound guys when we mix and that's that damn fountain so and it seems like such a a small thing to worry about but it's one of those things where if the fountain is in your shot you got to run it got to run it but if it's not in your shot you you shut it down so we don't have the sound but we still have to put it in mm-hmm. so um you know about all the other things that you have to deal with you know as a director going out there the sun, the Spanish, the shot list, mm-hmm. all of that, as as banal as that fountain is, you got to deal with that. So well, how did that come into play, or did you? I mean, it was just when it was not in the shot, you turn it off. I mean, we you had you had a great shot of Mark in one of the early cuts. I remember, cuts, and the fountain was and the fountain on. was off in the background because yeah. it was just it just had forgotten to be turned on. So right, we, just, we had to find another take. Yeah, uh, which luckily you you, you did. 
Yeah, well, I remember that because I don't really pay attention to it. And then we all start looking for stuff later on when we're doing producers' mm-hmm. cuts, directors' mm-hmm. cuts. We're like, hey, wait, you know, and somebody will notice something that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't pay attention to. You know, I haven't. And then it was on it during a shot where it wasn't in, in the background and it was a great take. And we had, a, we had to dub in one of the actors. It's just, you know, it, it's just one of those complications you just have to sort of deal with on, on the. There's like, there's a fountain in the lobby of. Uh, Mesa Verde. <laughs> that, mm-hmm, yeah. that you also have to deal. You know, there's just one of those things that it's a visual thing that we like, but it makes noise and it sort of screws up some of the other, makes makes work harder for the other departments. Well, we are we are so lucky though because we have an extraordinary sound team, and and especially when you're talking about dialogue, uh, Catherine Madsen, who is who is our ADR supervisor, she is an artist. Uh, not only at making things, we talk about ADR. That's that's dialogue. That's automated dialogue replacement, which is. Misnomer because there's really not that much that's automated yeah. about it. It's, it's really it's really about the the art of getting the dialogue to fit. And Catherine not only is is amazing technically, but she's wonderful with the cast. And she the actors all love come all love her. She's and an she, excellent director. And she's a, she really she really is an excellent director. And because we're not there, of course, when we when we need a uh, we're a drunk new t- a new take. Yes, we're, we're drunk. <laughs> we're drunk. We're we're on an ashram. Uh, and 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 Catherine Catherine. So I think that we've had a little bit more ADR this this season, really, just for uh, for a bunch of reasons that have nothing to do with uh, production. And she has just done an extraordinary job. And I think this episode has had more ADR in it than any other episode Prob- we've done. Probably so. Hmm. It just worked out that way. Just worked out that way. Again, just smoothing things out with the uh, the, the Spanish and the teaser yeah, and yeah, the dealing with the fountain and uh, two other... Two fountains, right? Yeah. yeah. Tommy, two fountains. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I have a question. The winking Greek. Was that something that was always a Don Eladio thing? Because I can't remember. Eladio means uh, Greek or the Greek. And I, I don't know. Someone had to tell me this. I'm not a Spanish speaker. But, but Eladio, uh, I believe... It, 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 so that's that's where the idea came from, right? You're looking at me. I have no idea. I was not around when this <laughs> came up so for some reason. I think you were. Uh, so I'm going to disagree with you. But this, okay. was, this was this was when we when we decided we were going to have Hector use this ice cream store uh, as a front, and we wanted uh, we wanted a logo, and we were also this is back in season two. We were thinking about trucks. And uh, I, yeah, the whole structure of how Hector's Hector's uh, Hector's operation works, and so we wanted a logo, uh, and that was that was when uh, that was when Little Tasty or Sabrosito came up, and the boy our art department made this wonderful logo, and then for one of the episodes last season, we actually uh, made the bobblehead, and that was uh, that was just uh, which is which is wonderful. And that was, uh, it was, was episode it was nine. Joe, was the first two oh nine? Was the first bobblehead I, episode? I, maybe, maybe that's possible. It was Joe. How do you say Joe's last name? Uh, Joe's Joe uh, Ulibarri. Uh, Ulibarri, yeah. Ulibarri and our Ulibari. special effects department. Yeah. He he took the uh, two dimensional design and three dimensionalized it and made it into this bobblehead. And I loved the bobblehead. I, I was lucky enough to direct two oh nine, which featured the bobblehead a little bit more. And so I think when we were all thinking about the bobblehead, when when it when it came time for this uh, this scene with Don Eladio. and so little little tasty makes another appearance. Way back in Breaking Bad, we had Eladio, and then we found out it meant Greek, and then also he had that the uh, the the, the silver eye. the silver eye, yeah. which yes. was a Greek derived uh, evil eye amulet, or uh, it was a, it was a charm against the evil eye, and that's the 
That's the necklace that uh, Mike pulls off of Dad Don Eladio. Spoiler alert for people who are watching Better Call Saul first before they watch Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad, Don Eladio, of course, gets uh, killed. And so I think... Even he, more spoilers. <laughs> I, but he pulls him off his off his dead body, and then but we we took that idea, and that's where we got the winking Greek, right? That's right. And you know, for what it's worth, I, for some reason, I still have some of my notes from the room on Breaking Bad, and I I think because that was, uh, so I have the sheet of paper where we were talking it when I wrote down what we were talking about. We were naming Don Eladio and all the different variations. I think I tweeted out a, a picture of that. Anybody who wants to wants to see that. The, the process of naming a character, and here he is. Years later, we're still yeah. we still got Don Eladio. But when when you guys designed or when they designed the little tasty guy and the the having him be a, like a winking Greek, was that always like a deep plant for Don Eladio? That we were gonna go back, like the basically that I mean now we we know that they're in business, but. It was it sort of like a yeah you know, I mean he's, he's it coming was, it was I mean it's it you know, brings back if you will yeah well yeah I mean uh, the, the, I think the best way to put it is uh, and, and Peter you've been explaining this to a lot of different uh, journalists lately and I you always explain it very well it's we do if we do one thing well over the course of both series it's that we mine our past mm -hmm. very effectively we're always in the writers room we're always looking backward. Uh, and figuring out where we've been and what use we can make of of where we've been. So in the case, for instance, in the case of, I mean, you know, uh, in season two when we had uh, Mark Margolis reappear as, as Hector and, and we had the, we figured, well, we know, what do we know from past experience, from past history? We know Hector works with Don Eladio. Uh, Don Eladio is the big boss. You know, we start putting those pieces together as early as possible, and 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 if the big boss is uh, is Don Ladio and he's Greek, and uh, you know what, you know maybe they would name the the ice cream shop after him. Wasn't that sort of the way it worked? Kind that of was. Of? You know, and it, it's it's interesting. Some of the origin of this, uh, a lot of the story in this episode was the fact that I think we we're all puzzled in a way because we knew that uh, we found out last season that Hector has his own way of getting meth. Up to up to up to uh, up to New Mexico, and w the question came up. Well, we know also from this universe that there's Gus Fring, Gustavo Fring, also has uh, a distribution operation. How is it that there are two of them? That there are two of them in parallel? And so that's some of that. Some of that. Just that qu asking these questions. That sort of that sort of led to the idea of two competing. Two competing meth pathways, which led to this uh, this wonderful teaser that Jonathan wrote, and Tom did such an amazing job directing. It's and just to, just to help people at home who might not be clear that the the time period for this teaser is sort of I think we said around 1999, where the sort of older flashbacks we saw are like early late 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 eighties, late 80s. Yeah. and then in Breaking Bad it's like 2007. I think when the when when Gus poisons everyone, so there's that's sort of where this falls into the timeline. Oh, yeah. so wait, Hector peed in the pool before this teaser. This yes, teaser. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, this is long before, uh, and hopefully people realize that it's a flashback because of uh, the reappearance of Jimenez, uh, the driver, the poor driver who got shot in the head in uh, episode two ten of Better Call Saul, played the by Manuel Uriza. He sang, yeah. He's a he's a very sweet guy. I got to direct him at two ten. He's a good. Did yeah. you enjoy directing him? He's a sweet. Yeah, guy. Yeah, he's great. I actually got to do a little 
uh, on 209, too. I, what that driving sequence. Right, I got to right. sit with him in the truck while he was singing. Oh, yes. was that you? Tom, <laughs> Tom, 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 uh, yes. We had, a, we had a very heavy day, and Tom flew to Albuquerque uh, to, help, to help me get, get some of the shots that we needed for, it was, for 209. Yeah, it was, it was You're fun. his musical vocal coach, right? Is that how that works? <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other things. <laughs> Anything with his Life throat, coach. I am involved with. <laughs> He's, he did. It was fun having him back. And 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 before we move on, uh, the uh, uh, Javier Grajeda, yeah, who is a is a great great guy and good uh, part of the family. Breaking yeah, we, we've been wanting him back for oh, so, yeah, such Juan a long Bolsa. time. And once this teaser came up, it was you know obvious we had to have him. He's he's a wonderful guy. He's, who uh, Juan Bolsa? Juan Bolsa. Bolsa! It was yes. great seeing Bolsa again. And you know Javier used to be Brian Cranston's. I want to say I'm pretty sure I've got this right. They were uh, uh, they were roommates years ago, maybe in New York City, I think. <laughs> and uh, but that had nothing to do with us hiring him on Breaking Bad. We hired him just because he was great. He did, gave a great audition, and then uh, he shows up on the set, and uh, Brian Cranston says, "Oh my God, it's Javier!" And we're like, "You know this guy? He's like, we used to be roommates." <laughs> had nothing to do with him getting the job. He just, That's he's just nuts. great. And it's a small world. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Good having him back. So, uh, so a couple scenes later, we're back at Poyos, um, and uh, and Hector comes in and starts harassing Hector Nacho's first appearance of the season. Oh yes. yeah, it's so funny. I didn't even realize that. Worth the wait, Michael Michael Mando, and he, you know, it's it's. I think it's really tough for a cast member. You know, we had to, Vince and I called him up and said, you know, you're really not. Uh, you're not in the first three episodes, and of course that's a that's a that's a that's a tough one uh, because you know he's 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 sitting out, and I'm, I know I know if I were an actor, I would start thinking, well, maybe they don't like like mm-hmm. me or my character, of but of course we love we love Michael, we love Nacho. And uh, I, I, I hate, I don't want to give anything away, but I can say that there, you're going to see a lot more Nacho this season. And that's where this, this uh, universe is different than Breaking Bad, is that I feel like we have so many more interweaving storylines where we had that on, on Breaking Bad, but it just feels like we're following a lot more characters no, you're right. here in Saul. And it's just, yeah. it's just trickier to weave them all together. And sometimes a character will, Nacho gets left out for the first three episodes. And then we go away. I mean, Jimmy is not in this episode very much at all. So it's like we've gone away from Jimmy for a little. <laughs> for the first half. For the, he he yeah. doesn't show up until midway through this episode. Through Act 2, yeah. Midway yeah. through Act 2, there, there's yeah. Jimmy and Kim. But that's what's so brilliant about how you guys weave these stories. Nothing is forced. I mean, it's organic. And if that's what that means, you know, we're not seeing someone or however it takes us, it, you know, you stay true to that. Yeah. I, you know, and it, but I, I think that we're, we're lucky because we've had that freedom mm-hmm. and because we never get pressure from the, the cast or from producers or from or from uh, the studio to say, well, you're not using this actor enough. We need to see every actor in every episode. And there are shows where where the the writers have to they, they have an obligation. We have to give every member of the cast uh, a scene in this in this episode. And uh, to me, those when you have those restraints, sometimes that makes the story feel predictable because yeah. you kind of know you're going to do a round robin to all, all the different characters. But the wonderful thing is that these, these actors uh, really give us so much trust and, and hopefully, hopefully we don't let them down. Yeah. Well, skipping, actually skipping ahead a little bit, but I just, it's on theme. It seems like to that point, you guys, it seems like you guys are having fun this season putting characters together that we've never seen together, <laughs> which happens in, in this episode for sure. When, uh, when you've got Mike and Chuck in the same 
in the same proximity. I think that's like one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that scene. It's awesome. Watching those two guys work together was just phenomenal. It was a lot of fun. Did they, what were they like? I mean, obviously they know each other, spent plenty of time together uh, behind the scenes, just, you know, hanging out, doing, doing press, whatnot. What was it like uh, for you guys? What was it like uh, 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 them working together? You're talking about the scene where he comes over to drill and fix. Okay. (laughs) I love that. Just thought I'd mention Chris did our which scene it was. Yeah, I'm yeah. the Michael Winslow of uh, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they were just, I mean, two fantastic actors who have been around for a very long time. And uh, they just, this, you know, they were great together. I mean, I, I, I hardly had to do any work. It just, just point the camera and they, you know, they did their thing. They, they they knew what they were doing, so it's was like, it something know. they were looking forward to? Did they have fun together? I, if I think if I was Michael McKean, I would have hated looking for you know looking forward to working with Jonathan Banks is <laughs> just uh, <laughs> just terrible. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think they had a had a really good time. The, the shot near near the end, the the, the shot of uh, of Mike and uh, standing in the doorway, and Chuck is going up the stairs, and he has this you know second like, okay, I'm gonna come back down. And Mike uses the drill, and he scurries back up again. And just how that's framed, it's just one of the most, it's, it's so humorous. But then you move it, you know, we move into the photography, and now you've got, like, a suspense element. I mean, there's just so much happening in that scene that yeah. sort of encompasses everything about the episode. No, but the, the cool thing about that, that shot, though, is not just that. That was a wonder that started way back at Chuck's desk and moves through the house all the way through. So the timing... Had to be right. So what happens? Is there somebody there saying, "Okay, now"? How, what was we the had a, we had somebody that? signaling uh, uh, Jonathan behind camera, when so to. that when when uh, Chuck was moving closer, <laughs> they raised their hand and he knew to to to, sh- to do the drill. So yeah, that's cool. And it was such it's such a great set. I mean, it, it's such a great space to move through. And I, I'm glad we we sort of got to see the whole layout. I mean, we went from the front door mm-hmm. all the way back to the. Uh, to the to the back room there, the mud room, and you, so you get to see the layout of the whole the whole set. And that means that Marshall, you you had to you had to light you had to light the entire set. I did. For, yeah. for one, and what what are the challenges? Light when you and see, non-light. You, when you really? see when you see, I mean, that's that was like a hundred. Was that that's almost a hundred and eighty degree pan, or it was, it was if close I to it? If I remember correctly, we started uh, started on the clock, right, and we swing over and see them come through the door and bring them all the way over to the mud room. That was um, two separate shots. We the, the the shot from the front door to the mud room. Was a, was a separate shot from the clock show. It was. That's so right. That's right. Because we were that? up in the. But because do you just light like a lot of light through all those windows? Because there's there that set on which is unusual for sets has a ceiling. It has like a literal ceiling that has no lights in. I remember Chris and I in the first season. We talked about this on another podcast like a couple of years ago. But Chris and I were there the first time that that set was sort of unveiled to Vince Gilligan. Yeah, when you guys did the walkthrough. You know, and I remember. Um, Vince talking to our, our production designer at the time was Tony Fanning, and it was Tony's first first year with with uh, Better Call Saul. And I remember you saying, um, you know, we need to see these wires. We need to see that there's no light in these lights. So we had a we have a ceiling and everything. So how do you how do you throw light into that room? That's yeah, how do you light without really light? Very cavernous and dark. 
Yeah. And it's got dark walls. It's got dark floor. It's got gigantic windows, but they have blinds on them and everything. So. Uh, yeah, we just. <clears throat> sorry. We uh, we light a lot through the windows. All the day scenes are uh, are all lit through you know the windows. And luckily, Tony did an amazing job. Uh, I've never met him, but I, I really he did really it's a great set. He's, he's a, did an he's amazing an job Tony's taking uh, uh, my job into account in putting that set together because there isn't uh, an angle or a corner of that set you can't light from the outside, which really really says a lot for because I'm sure that was a very difficult thing to do. But uh, so w uh, one of the big things that we have to take into account is whether or not we're cutting from outside and what the sun angle is so that we match we try to match the time of day. So. Oftentimes we'll actually shoot the interior first, but you know, um, luckily my gaffer Steve Latecki keeps track of exactly where the light is. We even plan uh, when we're going to be out there where the, what, where we think the sun angle is going to be, Jeez. so that we can match it with the with the lights on set. But <laughs> there is a limit. You know, we have a big backing that's what 130 feet long, and uh, we you know move it from one end of that house to the other, and oftentimes it's not long enough to cover both ends, and. So, uh, you know, you, you fill the holes in where you can, but yeah, but, uh, yeah it's hard to imagine that backing. Not long enough. I have a question. I'm sorry, Vince. One thing. You know what? I'm going to let you go ahead, and then I'll ask. Sorry. No, no that's okay. No, go ahead. Well, I, it just it was my question was going to be uh, to Marshall. Um, when a director like Tom or, or, or Peter or, me, or any, any, any director says to you, okay, here's what I want, and then they begin to describe uh, you know, a shot that, that, that does have to swing 270 degrees or 360 degrees or go from here to there to hither to yon. Does that excite you or do you, or you just say to yourself, oh, Christ? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you can be honest. No, absolutely. It, it's, it is exciting. I mean, sometimes it can be a little daunting because, you know, you look at a set, especially early on, uh, some of my early episodes in that set, you know, looking at, at the size of that thing and thinking about how much light it was going to take to fill it in. Uh, it, it got a little scary, but no, absolutely. I take it all. I always try to take those as a challenge. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, once you've lit a set a few times, the, it's the challenges that, that are the things you get to look forward to. You That's know? a good point. Instead of just coming in and flipping the switch because it's because you shot on a and not I, you would never it doesn't never work like that. I use that figuratively, not literally. But a set that you shoot in a lot, it would tend to get a little boring, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It uh, it can. So I mean, that's what makes that place really special. Also, you know, the the challenge of of being able to light from the outside but also keeping it really contrasty and 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 dark and and fun in that place is yeah. it's it's a challenge so uh, I, and you shoot with you're shooting that set with smoke so what difference does the smoke make the smoke uh, doesn't it bring it it carries light because of the sort of like the the particles does absolutely yeah the particles light, light up and they know? can they can fill a lot of the fill a lot in so you have to be careful about that but yes it uh for me the smoke actually makes the light three-dimensional that's that's the big advantage to it that you can really see it three-dimensionally and where it's coming from and and uh and be able to shape it that way like and, and shafts yeah exactly shaft. yeah. so you can't see a shaft of light without some sort of particulate in the air not that i've ever yeah. found no yeah i mean and, and whether it be dust but smoke seems to be the 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 best one for us anyway gotcha. like and we haven't gotten to this yet the set the the um you're at your your final act of this episode tom uh that wonderful that wonderful meeting uh, a wonderful meeting for the uh, PPD. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's a set that only exists for that one scene, right. and it, it was built on stage, purpose yeah. purpose built for that one scene. 
and and so that's 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 kind of fun because you can you can visualize the scene the scene and actually in in that case uh, in that case actually have Michael Novotny and the crew built it. Yeah, we so get to pick the number of work. windows and just how the dimension you know, the dimensions of the table and every, the walls and everything just you know we get to we have much more control <laughs> uh, that way on set, but. That's wonderful when you get to, when you have the time and the ability to, to, to think ahead and say, I, I'm picturing this in my mind, and you draw draw a little napkin sketch, at, and then uh, Michael Novotny and, and Steve Brown and those guys mm-hmm. yes. go to work. And, and then they come up with great details, like, uh, you know, it, it is a set built on set, but it still has to look like a shitty old room. So there's a spot on the wall where there's a different paint color where there was like once a, you know, a, a punch board removed, and the sort of a discoloring on the wall, I and, love the, that. and the shades are kind of crooked, and that you know it's so it, it's tempting to build something and make it look really nice and new on set, but then we have to shitify yeah, it. Shitify. Yeah. We have a great paint department who does. I mean, I keep thinking of that uh, the horse and uh, the big horse sculpture, which was made out of basically cardboard yeah. and, and then painted so wonderfully to make it look like rusted steel. I mean, I was right. I was I. I Got right up on top of that thing, looking at it, just marveling. At even an inch away, it looked absolutely like rusted steel. I yeah, think you should definitely make sure that you bring that and put it in the office. It, it was would, discussed. It, it would <laughs> be, be under lawn, I think. It wouldn't fit. It wouldn't fit. We should use it. We should use the uh, use the file and and print print use use a three D printer and print a tiny version like for the uh, for the writers room here. You know, you could take the file right and scale it down, make Absolutely. it make the whole thing like you know half a foot tall or something. Why not? Put it in your yard. Yeah, I think well, you guys right, talked right, about that on a previous podcast. I think, I think if <laughs> yeah, the first time it rains, I think you'd have a. Pro- I, I just I want to make sure, and I know Kelly, you you have a plan for all this, but I, we're, time is going by. I can't, I I can't end this podcast without talking about Kimberly Hebert Gregory. Who's talking about ending? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this I one's going to go I, forever. I just have a feeling. I just um, can you talk? Uh, she is so playing She's ADA Hay. We were. I mean, we she were fans. So we were fans of her from the show, the HBO show Vice Principals. Yeah, great show. She's so good, and she just came in and just she was so fun and delightful, and she just nailed the scene. I mean, she she did take after take. This is a long scene of her. It's her scene. She's just talking, and she nailed it every time. I mean, it was just impressive. It was just, wow. it was, it's just so comforting as a director just to be able to like, okay, I have, a, I have an actor who has complete control of the scene, and it just, it's so le- much less to worry about. Oh, it's just then you just, then you work with Marshall and you pick great angles and great lighting and just, and, and it just let the let the actors go. And everybody was so, I mean, every actor in the scene is doing, everybody's doing like little things that I love. Like Michael McKeon has this sort of his body sort of deflates a little bit when 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 uh, Jimmy's apologizing to him when when Jimmy says the words no matter how I was provoked and Michael kind of slumps and it's just I didn't tell him to do that he just he just did it and just they're all doing these little things that I just love in the scene I just, so Tom just sat of, at Village and ate pizza and pretty much everybody. yeah I was like more pizza <laughs> well, you know it's it's we're, we're I'm so proud of uh, all all the all the scenes in the show, especially, and, the, and we used to talk about the ones that use no dialogue. There's a scene that is wall-to-wall dialogue. You have five magnificent actors, 
and she uh, and I've never met her, and I'm just I'm such no, a she I'm was such so much I'm such a fan now. She 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 pulls it together because she is she is working with four actors who all know each other and who all have worked together many many times now, and she she slides right into that ensemble, mm-hmm. and and it's just it's a it's a wonderful scene. Bob Bob in that scene he just. He he's he's so emotionally exhausted mm-hmm. as it starts. His voice is so tiny. Uh, the first line he has, he barely can get it out. It's it's just a it's it's a mar it's a marvelous scene. He did such a Great wonderful scene. wonderful job. I mean, of course, Jonathan Jonathan wrote the hell out of it and and it's, did yeah, it was a great, a it was a great, great scene that he did. Yeah. Excellent. That scene uh, uh, that that scene is marvelous, and it make, and talking about uh, Ms. Gregory it makes me think of the. If you ever, if you haven't seen Vice Principals, that scene, that scene, that bravura scene she does, where she's her character's doing vodka shots oh, and getting yeah. more and more drunk. Oh my God! Amazing yeah. scene, amazing. She's she's she's. I I haven't met her either. I I, I look forward to it at some I, point. She's this, wonderful. This scene had a lot more silence in it too. We we you know we sort of approached it a little bit like the boredom in the court from from season one, where there was a lot more walking in, waiting. There was a lot of waiting at the beginning of the scene, and. I think I brought this up before. We're all professional television producers and writers and directors, and we cannot seem to get our shit together as far as timing these episodes. <laughs> there was so much extra <laughs> extra stuff cut out of this this episode that it drives me a little batty. That I, I was like, how do we? I, I just sitting in the editing room with Kelly, like, how do how do we get here? What do we? Because on the page is not that long. Wait, so wait, because I'm like sitting here confused now. Um, and I was there. Um, which part are you talking about? Are you yeah. saying in general that I'm so much stuff had general, to get cut oh, out? Okay. A lot of stuff. But in that scene, there was a lot more of the of the people there waiting. Oh, when we're waiting for waiting. everybody to come yeah. in. It was sort of fun of this long silence as everybody unpacking their suitcases. We really truncated that. Um, yeah, we did. Were, were there other scenes or parts of scenes? Oh, God, yeah. The, the Poyo scene where Hector walks through, there's a whole... Second, that scene is twice as long. Wow! In reality, because he goes through and starts fucking with the customers, and there's a lot of great, great actors that we cast who I'd love to mention, like Matthew Peterson, and John Wirt, and Roberta Isgreen, and Ashley uh, Dunick. Dunick, sorry, Ashley Dunick, sorry, Ashley. Who we cast all these great, great actors, and there's this fun scene where Hector's going through and he's putting the cigar out, and there's curly fries. And uh, you know, stuffing a, a turkey, a chicken leg into the into the pocket of the big guy. Now the way the scene plays, we only see glimpses of them, of them in the restaurant. But there is a whole half a scene that we had to cut out for time. Uh, and, and, and these they were all great. They're all and great. It's, so if we you, didn't, any of we these didn't, actors are listening to this, yeah. had nothing to do with performance. It was just our we fucked up. It just we couldn't get the timing right, and so we we needed to you know these episodes have to. You know, we're we're you know AMC needs these things to run a certain length, and so we need to cut it. We had to cut it down. It's it's uh, hopefully the hopefully that work will uh, will show up uh, on Blu-ray some venue in Blu-ray. Hopefully, I would love that too because they were yeah. they were all really really good. It was it was, yeah. it was a lot of fun stuff that we that we had to drop out. And there's a whole other scene where uh, where where uh, Gus and uh, Gus and Victor meet out behind the uh, Pueblos Hermanos, and there was a little shout out to the box cutter because there's a box cutter sitting sticking out of Gus's. You know, there was a little scene there that that hopefully will show up, and uh, and there was a plumber who tries to get in the restaurant, and Arturo says him tells him, "Oh, we have cockroaches," which sends him away. There's just all this stuff that just we had to just and the the other disturbing thing as a writer, I didn't write this one, but as a you know producer of this thing, 
the episode still plays without all this all this stuff and this is all stuff we fought for we need to have this when when yes. our when our producers Nina and Robin and Seth are trying to get us to cut stuff and we're like no we need to have this it doesn't make sense without it and then we're in the editing room it's like yeah well let's just drop this okay we'll just remember that for the future yeah okay. it, it, we I, don't I will say any, why I will, did you have to say that what did I will, say, I will say I think just being, just being truthful we are we are now cutting uh, Kelly and I we're just cutting episode uh, eight, eight. Yeah, 8 yesterday uh, and I, I would say out of, out of the 8 that we've cut so far this episode probably had the most the most material omitted yeah. the most good material omitted the um the running time this season has been tricky i mean it's something we've always had a problem with That's on true. this show i think more than breaking bad is the, trying to understand um the running time on these episodes yeah. when we when we break Our them cards and are figure not them out translating the way they used to and somehow. and we started doing a, a rule that now i'm really getting deep in the weeds we started doing a rule of thumb as we went where we said, oh well we can have like roughly three things happen per act mm-hmm. and uh boy that came and bit us in the ass <laughs> <laughs> what's the rhythm of this show it's hard to pin down because the it uh, we were uh, using this word in some interview recently it stretches like taffy emotionally between very funny and almost lighthearted at times, but but funny whether it's heavy or light humor, and then uh, really heavy dramatic moments, sad moments. I mean, it really it, the rhythm is hard to pin down on this thing, which actually ultimately makes it hard in in regard to this issue we're talking about. But I think makes me excited as a viewer to watch it. Yeah, I have to say that there, there's a scene coming up in a future episode. There's a whole sequence where. Uh, I, in the editing room, consistently, I would laugh at a scene, and then the follow-up scene, literally and embarrassingly, brought tears to my eyes every time I watched it. Uh, so it, it's it, it, the the, emo- the tone of this show, and where it goes emotionally, uh, at least for me anyway, it just it, it works in a very unusual way. Uh, and I'm hopefully, hopefully for the audience, hopefully you guys uh, listening are. are are, are seeing it the same way because mm-hmm. it, 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 it whipsaws and it's uh, it, it whipsaws in a way uh, that that really surprises me. It, can I can I offer a thought? Uh, it was, uh, I was we did a bunch of interviews you and me. We've done a whole lot yeah, lately, and I kept saying in a lot of these interviews that there was an episode coming up that that made me my first reaction to you uh, was was uh, to both you guys when I saw it was in, in the in the mix was I feel like I just watched the 63rd episode of Breaking Bad this was it I mean this that whole run this sequence and like you said I and mean, there's not a whole lot of Jimmy in this episode but when you do see him it's marvelous but I mean this just seeing Gus Fring back and and Hector Salamanca back and and Nacho interacting with these guys and and Arturo and it just God it just it gave me it was just I love it and Mike it thrilled Mike me and Mike and Mike yeah I just I because love this it. is really the first time that right we see Gus and Mike together is this. No, that was that, that was, was last three. week. Ah, fuck. Okay, I'll but 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 this is but this that is scene is great at the booth at Mike's yeah, booth. I forgot. And the, yeah. when he's re- is yeah. Handyman magazine a real magazine or is yeah. that something made for the show? Oh, awesome, that's a good. It, yeah. yeah, I love that connection. You know, because you had you know the, the, you can actually picture Mike leaving Loyola's. You can picture Mike Mike leaving Loyola's and saying like, yeah, I do want to fix something. Well, I want well, I, I want to uh, also mention. Oh God, there's so many things to say about this episode, but I want to also mention that scene between uh, 
Mike and Gus. Um, there's a magnificent Dave Porter cue. Yes, I and, wrote that in my notes as well. And it's, a, it's, it's, so and it's, good. it's a wonderful cue, and I, I hope I'm not going too inside baseball, but I want to mention something about that scene between Mike and Gus, and of course the scene where uh, the scene is that uh, Gus uh, comes to to talk to Mike because Mike has turned down the money that that Gus is Gus is bro- that Victor, Victor brought him. That's and, right. Yeah. He sent the money back, and they have this great scene. Uh, and the way, and I, I love the the, the cue that uh, that Dave Porter wrote for it, and it's it may be uh, maybe I'm giving getting into how the sausage is made a little bit. The way the way Dave originally wrote that, the cue started at the beginning of the scene, and so there was this darkness over the whole scene, and it was like uh, the way it played for me was that the Gus kind of brought this uh, this cloud over the show for that moment. And I, I, there was something about it that was bothering me. And then Kelly, uh, you 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 slid experimentally slid the beginning of the cue a little bit later in the scene, so it, it fell it fell more after after uh, Gus asks Mike, "Will you will you work for me in the future?" And then suddenly it had a different feeling. Instead of it being instead of it the the cue being about Gus bringing a cloud over the scene over the scene, it was more about um, Mike getting ready to make. A decision which is going to be uh, one of the great forks in his life path, and it, I just thought it was—it's so interesting when the music begins, just changes the uh, changes the scene so much and changes what the cue means. I know that's real inside baseball. No, I think but, it's perfect. Uh, but uh, but it's, it's something—it's something I find fascinating. And one—I mean—it's the the great thing about getting to do this is that. Um, we, I feel like I learned something. I feel like we all we all learn mm-hmm. something from every episode. That's great. Sometimes That's from every I, single scene. Fan, thank you. Kelly is. I mean, we sit in the editing room and she's you know talking about the motivation of the characters and what something means. And that, I mean that her discussion about that is what helped her lead to. Well, let's slide this music because mm-hmm. it mean you know it'll mean something more at this at this moment than where it was placed originally. So that's you know it's funny. I mean. I don't know how many editors do that. I was an assistant for years, and um, I always got into the narrative of the thing, and I always talked to, especially, I think it's so important to have writers in the room. I work on a lot of other shows where they do not have writers in the room, except for the showrunner, and the writers of the episode don't come in the room, and I've always, you know, on Breaking Bad, it was a really big education for me to um, have... That, where Vince, you invited your writers into the room, and I thought that that was brilliant. Um, and that's I, the way Chris Carter did it, so that's the way I did it. I think yeah. that it's incredibly important. I've been vocal um, on other shows and and sort of, you know, appealing to the showrunner to bring the writers in the room, and most of the time they refuse. And I think there's two folds to it. One of them is that the writers learn to be better producers when they come in the room because there are so many shows where showrunners, it's the first time they've actually been in the room when they're showrunners, and, and that, I think, is a mistake. Yeah. But also, um, I, I applaud other editors, if they do this, to really, really look at the script. I've always said that the script, you know, filmmaking has changed um, in so many ways, technically, the, the equipment that we have, how cheaply everything, it's much, much cheaper to make a film now than it ever used to be. Well, it should be. I don't know that it is, but 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 from the, the below well, the line Well, you can shoot a film yeah. on your iPhone yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. now. The technology and, and, is and more readily available. And you can even put it yeah. in a venue 
and you couldn't do that when you know i didn't mean to knock you off your thread keep going because i didn't mean to keep going because you're onto something good here all i'm saying though is that the one thing that really has not changed about filmmaking is you still need a really good and compelling script if you have it doesn't matter what kind of you can have the best equipment the best editor the best you know all of that and if you have a crappy script you're just gonna have a crappy movie you know so the one thing that hasn't changed and again i applaud um the the narrative and the more you know i i'm sorry to go on about this but i got asked a question last year um and it just when my answer was off the cuff um i was working on a pilot and the one of the producers said so kelly what do you think makes a good editor and the my immediate um answer to it was pay attention in english class and <laughs> and she was like really, and i was actually surprised at the answer because i didn't think about it at all but i do think that that is one of the biggest and most important things is to pay attention to the narrative. So I actually like when you guys bring writers in. I like talking to writers about the narrative. You know, Peter and I have had lots of discussions about what does this mean? And sometimes probably to, you know, the, you know, some of you guys probably get really, you know, kind of exasperated at me because I'm just like, I don't understand this. I don't understand what this means. I don't understand how this fits. You know, can you help me so I can understand how to, you know, cut it or something that works and enhances for the project. And so I have lots of questions about that, but I enjoy, you know, talking to writers about it. And I think that more writers should, I think editors and writers, because all we're doing is rewriting you. So the more input that you have, um, is you know is it it's important. That's, the only, the that's, only thing that's my rant for the day. The only really? thing I'll disagree with is that uh, my squat videos don't have any scripts at all, and they're very entertaining. <laughs> I uh, had so you do don't you always need understand. a great script. I was not part of that. <laughs> One where you're squatting over the mirror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could, yeah. But I mean, you know, Chris and I when I we worked together. When Chris and I worked together as, you know, where Chris was my assistant, we had lots of discussions like this. We all would talk all the time about the narrative and, and what it meant and whose scene it was and how it changed and this and that. And I I feel good about, you know, the fact that we, t- we had those discussions and he started to incorporate in his work, you know, because he had to do a lot of cutting for me at the yeah. time. And I got... I got to see how his work evolved, you know, and I'm sure that you guys have this, a similar thing on the set, you know, Marshall, where you're looking at, well, what does this mean and how should we approach this? And yeah. And, and making sure that, uh, that what you're doing is, is story driven. It's very easy sometimes to fall into the trap of trying to find a cool looking shot, but, but oftentimes doesn't drive the story. And, and actually, I go back to Michael Slovis. Uh, one of the first meetings I had was him after I was hired to, to shoot the, the episode that he was directing on 501. He, uh, he was a real stickler about driving the story. It's, it's got to drive the story. Don't, don't look for cool shots. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love Marshall to talk about uh, uh, the only time I've, I've felt like you were a little worried about something was the Gus office scene. I don't think you were worried at the time we were shooting it, but I think post, like I saw you when we were doing 307, I think you were like, I think I went too far. <laughs> but I love I love how that scene looks. So what what made you just because of how you just think you went too you were going too dark? Yeah, well I guess and uh, you know, getting Which back scene to the is story. This? this is Gus and Hector in, in Gus's. Oh, office. when Hector's cleaning off his shoe on the table, Cleaned, which yeah, is a, a of, great, great, great <laughs> moment. I thought yeah. I, from from a writer's room standpoint, I love that. A lot that of my dynamic. episodes have poo in them. 
You just like to go reason. through all the all the testing processes of all the different types of shit we had to <laughs> had to figure out what was exactly going to be the yeah. right texture. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, I don't need an excuse to make anything dark and contrasty. I love to do stuff like that. But I, I guess what I came back to was is that that office being behind the restaurant, would it really look like that? And, and that was the only thing that kind of brought me a little bit of pause. But, uh, but you know, we, we, that room has one window in it that you would imagine that if he didn't want to have the fluorescent lights on. That's what it would look like. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that no, is where I, I came to, but to justify it. But uh, yeah, that was that was the only hiccup mm -hmm. that I had. And you have Hector cigar smoke filling the room. And, yeah. Uh, again, shout out to Mark Margolis who had quit smoking. And oh God, really? He did. He did, <laughs> oh, and I no. felt real, so bad because he we, we'd asked him to light up over and over again to do these takes, and he he did it, uh, but it, it didn't feel good for him. <laughs> And I guarantee someone, and I, they're not a dummy for thinking this, someone's listening saying, why can't you do all your digital magic, just put in digital smoke? It just, it, you can't. It smoke and fire way. are one of the yeah, hardest things just, to actually it, do. It looked like hell. And water. Yeah. That's one of the things I find fascinating about that scene that we're just talking about is if you were to see that set, and Michael Novotny did a great job of, of recreating a set from that we had on Breaking Bad, it's it's almost it seems pretty identical to me, but it's it's really the one of the most dull little rooms you could ever hope to see. It's it's like a broom closet with white walls, which is probably uh, visually you know the least the last place you really want to have to shoot a scene. And, and Marshall, you made it for that scene um, so atmospheric, you and sure it's did. it's such a highly dramatic scene. I, I think it absolutely merits everything that you did there. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just beautiful. But it I, I, it, it only it just, just it I brought it up because it surprised me that he that Marshall was a little yeah. worried about it. It I makes didn't. It, it, it amazes me because you 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 walk onto these sets and Michael does a wonderful job. Our our production uh, our production design team is the construction is it's it's everything is is done so very well. But whenever I walk onto a set, I will admit, before Marshall gets to it, I look at it and I have this little worry in the pit of my stomach because it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't have that something, that snap. And then Marshall and his team comes in and they bring drama to it. They bring, there's a life that comes to the set once you, once you get to work on it. That, uh, that it's, and it's, it's one of the things I find just magical. Well, it brings reality, right? Yes. I mean, that's the that's the essence that's missing. It seems like that because the the stage lights are on, or there's yeah. you know some work light, LED work light in the corner because somebody's trying to you know f touch up the paint or something. But uh, yeah, so you know that's a lot of what I do is try to bring reality to uh, to especially as you know some of those stage sets, and then try to expand upon that as much as I can and and, and you know try to make it interesting. Re reality, and then on top of that, drama. Yes, the exactly. lighting is very exactly. dramatic. The lighting I, you create yeah. well, if there's a theme to the podcast today and it's, it's to me it's it's what uh it's so much of what uh kelly you and marshall were talking about is that there's it may seem like filmmaking is really technical because there's a lot of technical tools that we use we use a lot of computers there's a lot of lenses there's a lot of lights there's a lot to know but the truth is all those things are just tools and and it's it's the artistry and it's it, the artistry that you guys bring to it and so for all of you out there who were uh, learning to cut learning to light it's, it's i love what kelly said you pay attention to english class because it's if you know what the story's about 
as you're learning to use the tools, and we all the tools keep changing, and we keep we keep having to relearn things. But if you have if you know what the story is you're trying to tell, uh, that that really guides guides you so well, much. We it's, have the luxury though of working on great stories, which is you know that's that's I think it's kind of at the essence of what Kelly was driving at. You know that that a lot of folks that work in this town don't have that luxury, and so what we start with is is so much more uh, progressed and and interesting that it only adds to it rather than than trying to hide the fact that there isn't a story there to begin with <laughs> yeah. so, uh, well, so when the when 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 the writers have created something very very solid and very and and they know how to I, I always say to other I, I'm mostly um, assistants when they're learning um, is don't be afraid to question you know the writer and don't be afraid to to make them if you don't understand something see if you know they can help you understand because it's going to drive the way that you approach it's all about the approach of the scene and I think that's probably true in every single department you know all the way down that's a good point. Um, one thing before we close and we're definitely getting the high sign but I wanted to talk about two things um, I wanted uh, to mention that Tom, you're probably one of the best shot makers that I've ever seen. You know, you're the talented, talented motherfuckers I'm club yeah, member. You should. <laughs> I see Attorney yeah, Red over there. But but it's funny because you and I have had this discussion because you know um, you probably handed me last year one of the the most dense uh, <laughs> scenes ever. It was like 12 <laughs> hours of dailies for one scene. Actually, it was two scenes. I'll be fair. It was two scenes. Um, but. But, you know, and, and at the time you were like, I, I needed to cover it. I need to cover it. And what a lot of times, you know, what you get in the editing room is scenes that are covered in several different ways because directors want to give producers a lot of options. The difference that you do, Tom, is is you cover it in ways where I have, you know, and, and Skip all as well, we have, you know, five or six different ways to cut this scene that are all incredibly compelling. So they're not fill-in shots. They're like another line through this scene. And it's like Tom, which is what's your first choice? You know. So I want you to talk a little bit about all the different stuff that you did in Poyos because we we kind of we haven't really talked about Poyos. And I also want to mention the actor that plays Lyle because he's really really good in that. Lyle is played by Harrison Thomas, who I uh, who I didn't know him before this, but I recognized him from uh, uh, a friend of ours, Tim Talbot, uh, wrote this film called the Stanford Prison Experiment. Oh, and he's he in, in that. He is he's in, in that. that. He's right. great in it. And uh, when he auditioned, I loved him. And uh, yeah, he was just great on great on. So he's a he was a he's a fun actor. He's just really re super nice and and just wanting to 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 work with everyone and figure out what the scene is and what it means. But uh, yeah, we we love him. He's but great you, in this. He's great. But you did some really really interesting work in that scene. Like one of the things that you did in Poyos that I had never seen before was the shot. As we go across the, I think I don't think we've seen as we go across the counter where where Hector is behind the counter walking mm -hmm. and he's harassing all of those guys and your shots um, with the soda machine and stuff like that. Like I know that you know in your mind you are looking for all these different places to put that that camera. Marshall's like, okay, it schnauz. <laughs> what are we doing now? <laughs> no, you know. So I wanted to I wanted you to talk a little bit about about how you decided to shoot all the different the different Poyo well, scenes. I, I tend to storyboard everything and I, I ha as I'm storyboarding it, I have an editing sequence in mind, but I don't want to limit our producers because I know they 
just because you draw something on paper and shoot it a certain way doesn't mean it's going to work when you get it in the editing room. And you need to you need to have options, and you need to be able to save a scene if it's not working <laughs> the way you did it. So you tend I tend to overcover, and I will, you know, even though I think I'm only going to use this shot for for a certain length, I'm going to get heads and tails on it. I'm going to shoot as much of the scene as as works for the actors. Even though I mean I like to shoot even if the if the screen directions are off or something, I, I, my tendency is to keep rolling because you might pick something up that'll help us save us in the editing room because you know it's a lot of times we're looking for something. How do we mm-hmm. how do we fix this? And like in this particular scene, we cut it off halfway through what the scene was written to be <laughs> to be. Uh, so um, I just like to cover as much as possible, uh, even though I have a plan. I have a you know editing game plan. You know, work with the DPs. Come, you know, our B camera operators come up with amazing angles that you just wouldn't think of. I mean, they'll, they'll squeeze in somewhere and get something that, oh my God, we're going to use this instead of this other thing that I that I had planned. Uh, just so, uh, you know, trust our camera operators and our DP. Cover things as much as possible, but go in with an editing. I go in with an editing game plan, and hopefully, it works the way. That I wanted to. Next time I want to get that editing game plan. I want to know what the first choice was. I'm like, oh, there's so many good ways here. But what was the first choice? But Kelly, the great thing about the great thing about you is that you're going to look at it and you may find just like the B camera operator may see something that uh, that we would have never thought of. Yeah. You will you will you will come up with with. Uh, an edit- editorial approach that we will never think of. I want the and cheat so it's, sheet. It's, it's, uh, no cheat sheet. <laughs> but, but I know we're about to wrap. I just want to say uh, Jonathan Glatzer did a great job with this episode. He would be here. He's unfortunately he is in England. he's in London yeah. working on a fancy fancy show, much higher budget show than ours. Good so Jonathan, That's Jonathan, awesome. uh, uh, safe travels and uh, thank yeah, you yeah. so I much for a great ahead. episode. I wasn't I wasn't finished. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I don't want to end this uh, podcast without. Uh, mentioning the the Breaking Bad Easter egg that is in this besides all the great characters we have come back we revisit the firehouse where Walt left yes. uh, baby Holly uh, so that's just something uh, if you're if you didn't tune out of this podcast earlier congratulations you've reached you've reached the secret uh, Easter egg <laughs> <laughs> the other thing though too I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Glatzer because I wanted to go a little bit this was the second thing I wanted to mention was um, from the writer's standpoint writer's room standpoint you guys have set up a couple of you guys have thrown a couple of like Kim and Jimmy have a plan and we don't know what the plan is. So can you guys talk a little bit about, you know, that? Because when I was watching it, I'm like, okay, I don't really get why Mike is taking these pictures and what Jimmy Jimmy is asking Mike to take these pictures. You know, he's he's doing this. What does this mean? And then again, at the end where where Jimmy's like, So, did it work? And she's like, Yeah, you know, I can't remember the actual Bingo. dialogue, but yeah, and so you guys have set things up, and I'm just kind of like, uh, what just happened? So can you talk a little bit about how that got broken and, you know? Well, mystery, I mean, mystery is a very important element of storytelling. I mean, we don't want to give everything away and, and, and keep the viewers coming back for more. So these are, the, you know, and I even I don't fully understand. It's the, le- <laughs> the legal ease that's going on with the uh, you know the certain wording of the of the document i don't even fully understand myself but i know it it pays off in <laughs> in the coming episodes uh, i think in the very next episode your patience will be rewarded yeah okay but it, it's uh, yeah it's like uh, it, it's that's i think folks have appreciated that for years about the way we tell stories as you if you're in it for the long haul and you're and you're an active mm-hmm. 
viewer and you're you're paying close attention your your patience will be rewarded and also uh, sorry and, and excuse me sorry ray and bob in their scene and, and when they're talking near the computer and they're sort of close to each other and they're saying thank you they were so they they those guys get together and rehearse before they get to set and they do their homework and they they had this idea of whispering the thank yous to each other and it just works so i mean that was not something i went in uh, it's, it's a really nice piece of intimacy between the yeah. two of them. And that was uh, that, that's having that's having great actors to come up with ideas like that. Yeah. Cool. Great. That awesome. was great. And I think we're <clears throat> maybe no, we're not. We're early. a little over. <laughs> <laughs> we started a little late. That's all right. So Chris, you want to take us out? And and this time, I think Marshall should. Do you I, think Marshall I, or Nina? I think I think well, I, I Nina's going to be here next on the next. Okay, episode, so we'll um, we'll get Marshall. Yeah, to do it. but yeah, we definitely want to thank Marshall. Thanks a lot, and Nina and Tom. Thank you guys for coming out and sharing your insights. And thanks, Peter Vince, for as always for being here and creating this awesome show that that we love and and uh, some of us get to work on sometimes. Thank you very much, Kelly. And thank oh, you guys thank for you, listening. Chris. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, and you're and, gonna tell and, Marshall yeah, what he needs to and do. And Marshall, so need? if if you want to take us out, we end every episode with somebody doing in their kind of like Bob Odenkirk, Saul Goodman style, saying "Better Call Saul." Really, really so, sell it. Yeah. Oh, really hit it. As if oh, you, as got if the you were the yeah. guy for this. <laughs> no, no. Go for it. Uh, better call. Okay. Uh, better call Saul. Yeah. yeah. Good one. And then and then what Vince always says, that's a good one. It is. That's a good one. It is a good one. It is a good one. <laughs>